Hello, and welcome to the Untitled Female Driven Podcast. We are three film and television writers who are here to talk about how to make it as professional writers in the entertainment industry. This podcast covers what we wish we'd known when we were getting started, and you can learn the easy way what we learned the hard way. I'm Jess Cho. I mostly write for television. I'm Hannah Rosner. I also mostly write for television. And I'm Erica Schreiber. I mostly write features. We're continuing this episode with the second half of our Bake Off. Hannah's going to give us a recap. So just to recap real quick, we have been talking about uh, some of the core elements of your pitch so far for your shake and bake. And so you start with your headline or your way in, which is your personal connection to the material. That then leads into the theme. What is the movie about? What are we trying to say? And that can also include your why now of why is this theme, for example, Jess's is resilience. Why is that relevant today? Why will that speak to modern audiences? And Jess had a really good reason, which is, you know, we're in this time of uh, people need to be resilient and those who are, you know, able to, to stick it out will be able to endure all of these, these tough things that are happening to us, right? And then you get into characters and that means your core characters, obviously your main character, the supporting characters, maybe a love interest or uh, a mentor figure or some other supporting character. And then talk about your villain a little bit. And then you want to get into your setting slash world. Where are we? When are we? What are the rules of that world? Keep that brief. And then you're going to get into your story, right? Which is your inciting incident, your end of act one, your act two fun and games, your low, low point and your act three climax. This is the point after you've described before you jump into the story in which you ask your exact like, great, I'm going to jump into the story. In the meantime, do you have any questions about the characters, the world? The exec will start speaking without remembering to take themselves off of mute. You will gesture emphatically that they should take themselves off mute. They'll be like, oh, right. They'll take themselves off mute and say, no, I'm good. You can continue. Oh, something I totally forgot to say during the setting world section, which is I want it to feel both new and familiar. Yes. As an exec, I love to hear that because that is exactly what I want. Yeah. Is I want it to be something I've seen a million times before, but can pretend it's a new take on it. So it's fresh, so people will not accuse you of plagiarism, but it's also a proven formula that has worked time and time again with you know massive box office success. That's what I'm looking for. Oh boy. Okay, milestones and structure. Hannah, do you want to go first? Well, boy, I've really thought through, let me tell you, <laughs> the inciting incident of uh, the three little pigs in space and the end of Act 1 and the Act 2 fun and games. I have thought this all through. Maybe we can workshop this, uh, the three of us, because I literally don't know what could possibly... Yeah, we'll workshop What's, what's the inciting incident? Okay, well, let me just give you the premise, right? So it's about a wolf who has won a trip, sort of Willy Wonka style, from Earth to... Strawterian, the third moon of Jupiter, where the greedy pig overlord Strawby has has started mining Strawterian uh, for goods and resources. But when he gets there, the straw guy he's not going to let him in. He doesn't let him. He he says, "Sorry, pigs only on my moon." Um, and I'm, you know, involved in a very lucrative enterprise here. So Wolf, why don't you go over to, to Wood Area, the, the moon next door? Um, that's probably going to be the inciting incident. So 10 pages in, the wolf shows up, Straw Pig won't let him in. And because Straw Pig refuses to let him in, that really messes with the wolf's uh, the, the ship's like trajectory and navigation system gets all thrown out of whack because he was supposed to land, but now he can't. And he's been orbiting. He's going to run out of fuel. So the wolf actually crash lands on Straw Pig's planet at the top of 
Act one. That's our, no, no, or is that our inciting our, incident? Is that well, too no, soon? Our, so I, I feel like the inciting incident is you can't come here. And the turning point is, oh, no, he's crashed and he somehow ruined Stratarian. That's right? great. Yeah. And then, you know, act one is escape from Stra- Stratarian to get to uh, Stonarian? Mm. Stickarian. Wood, Woodarian. Wood, Woodarian. Yeah. Yes. Woodarian. Woodarian, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Lots of trees. Yeah. It's tree And planet. then, you know, meanwhile, we meet the brick pig because the brick pig is going to arc, right? Right. So we're we going to have to do – this is like a bit of a two-hander between brick pig and mm-hmm. the wolf where right. we're going to temporarily – like periodically check up on brick pig. And he's having a hard time because he's trying to – you know, he's the only one that's trying to make it a democracy. So he's trying to uh, have – every everything is by committee. Everyone is voting. And he just keeps running into – problems because his other pigs just can't seem to agree on, you know, their mining operation and how it should be run. And it seems like at the end of Act 1, uh, Straw Pig should f- flee to uh, Wood Pig, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's how the story goes, is they hide together, and then they are both going to run to to Brick Pig Planet at the end of Act 2, right? Yes, because that's the all is lost at the end of Act 2, Everyone's lost. The wolf still hasn't found a place to live. No, the other two pigs. bounty out on him is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's where that's where Kate Blanchett comes in. She's <laughs> she's, she's in both of our movies. She's the bo- she's the bounty hunter. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So how do we break into three? What what is this all building towards? I mean, we need to know from ideally from the setup, right? We're we're all this is all building up to the big bad wolf versus the brick pig. Or so we think. You know what this kind of reminds me too is uh, Tucker and Dale versus evil. Tucker and Dale are these like these hicks who live in the back of beyond. And this group of teenagers is like headed out on, you know, like to rent a cabin or whatever. Uh, it's been a long time since I saw it. But basically like through a series of accidents, the teenagers are convinced that Tucker and Dale are like evil hicks, like, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And they're just trying to, you know, live their lives and also like help these teenagers. But the teenagers keep on accidentally being murdered. <laughs> and so the teenagers are like banding up against Tucker and Dale when in fact Tucker and Dale just don't want to die, you know, like so. Well, this is a good example of when your exec is starting to look confused and, and you can tell that they are being distracted by something in the corner of their screen on, on your Zoom pitch that you say, this is, it's kind of like, you know, that scene in Tucker and Dale versus evil. And then they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've totally seen that I even though they haven't. It, yes. And then you, by explaining the the basic premise, now the exec can sort of has something to latch onto. They can be like, oh, I see. It, it's like this. Now this makes sense. So this if- is worth losing my eBay auction for. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so that takes us into act three. You know, you spell out the climax between pigs and the wolf. And then you give me some form of resolution. And then if you're me, you say, and that's our movie. Because I always say that. I love that line. So in my space horror, Three Little Pigs in Space movie. So first of all, I just want to set it up, which is everyone's floating in the space station. They're all doing research or something spacey. And then some sort of, let's just say, floating extraterrestrial object comes near enough to the station where they reach out, they grab it, they put it into one of their airlocks, and they study it. And wow, this is going to change the face of everything, right? And then that is when the alien spore or whatever infects one of the crew members. 
And at the end of act one, like all of that happens over act one, at the end of act one, the first person dies. Ooh. Okay. Wait. So the Jodie Comer pig, right? She's the toxic pig. She's toxic pig. Since she's like the toxic pig and she's been a pain in everyone's ass, she's probably gonna be the first one to die, right? Because this is a horror movie and whoever we like the least is probably the first to die. Not always, but so we are probably going to think for the first act that Jodie Comer is the wolf until when we break into two uh, around, you know, say the 25 minute mark or so, that's when Jodie Comer actually dies uh, and is killed by the unseen wolf. And we realize twist. We didn't see that coming. She's not the wolf. So who yeah. is the wolf? And now we are down to three little pigs. And now we right? are down to three little pigs. Exactly. And, uh, and the only thing is not only was Jodie Comer killed, she was eaten. <gasps> Whoa. And so now they know they got a cannibal somewhere on this space station. Man, it must be hard to be a pig and be so delicious. I know, right? And so then act two, the fun and games of it is just a lot of sneaking and creeping on the space station. Think a lot of like dark corners and like things go bump in the night, weird noises. Also some space shit can happen. Like a micrometeor comes in and like all the air like is sucked out of one of the modules or something. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Keep it fun. Keep it light. What about your B story? Do you have like a relationship between two of the other little pigs? Like where, you know, maybe they trusted each other for the entire first act. who's the exec here? (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, uh, my my idea is so bad that I've just completely bailed. And now I'm jumping on board (laughs) Jess's take. And I'm like, I'm the co-writer. So (laughs) yes, yes. uh, That's amazing. Yeah, I like the idea of a love interest. We can have a couple of other red shirts on this space station too. Uh, if any, no one, if anyone is not familiar with the term red shirts, it's basically we also call them sometimes Canadian day players, uh, which is just the people that are hired to fill out the station. They don't necessarily have lines. Their their real purpose for being there is just so that if you have a movie where there's supposed to be you know deaths, then you have people that you you can have a body count, and then you can show like things are moving forward and things are getting serious. I, maybe we could do like a love triangle. Oh. Right? Someone who's playing both Zoe Kravitz and Aquafina. Now, it could be a totally consensual triangle. Yeah. Love a good consensual triangle. Or uh, they could be, uh, this guy could be playing off of, or this woman could be playing off of our two characters. Uh, who would we like to see as a love interest? I hadn't thought about that angle. I don't know. I want to see Zoe Kravitz have to pick between Kate Blanchett and, you know, uh, Chris Evans. It's oh, no yeah. contest. It's Kate Blanchett. Sorry. Oh, man. She's my number one girl crush. Actually, her and Zoe Kravitz, this is now like my dream queer couple. Yeah, actually. (laughs) Those two together. So in act two, we'll have a And what's great about this is like, you know, like there's there's like genuine feelings here, but one of them is actually evil. Right. Yeah. Right. It's really about trust. Yeah. Zoe's got to figure it out. So basically what we're saying in act two, there's a slight deviation to like a Bridgerton type thing. A lot of like heavy breathing in each other's faces. A lot of eye contact. Just um, <laughs> now turned into an erotic space thriller. Oh yeah, yeah, I love it. I love okay, it. okay. Everyone it loves great. a good genre blend. It writes blend. itself, guys. It yeah, itself. it really does. As an exec, I will tell you that like I miss the erotic thrillers of the '90s and early 2000s, and I really wish that they would come back. And then I will not uh, actually do anything with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then like you know your male boss will love like if you just say like you know that Sharon Stone moment when she crosses her legs. Mm-hmm. It's this movie sold. <laughs> Great. Okay, so fun and games uh, for Act 2. A lot of like trying to figure out who on the crew is the evil person, is the wolf. And so they're running experiments on each other covertly. There's a lot of finger pointing, a lot of manipulations. 
and then midpoint, someone else should die, right? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. It should maybe be Chris Evans. It should be a big character. It's got to be not the movie you thought you were in is your yes. midpoint. So right? exactly. they decide it's Chris Evans and they kill Chris Evans and it turns out it wasn't Chris Evans. Exactly. Oh, that's exactly. good. Exactly. And they know it wasn't Chris Evans because they come back to his body and then he's also been eaten. <gasps> Damn. That's good. And so now we got Aquafina, we got Zoe Kravitz, and we got Kate Blanchett. And there's just the three of them left on the station and they know one of them is, you know, Hannibal Lecter and Alien. Now, when we get to the low point, that is the lowest, the worst thing that could happen to your main character. Our main character is Zoe Kravitz, and if Kate Blanchett is her mentor, lover, something, figuring out that Kate Blanchett is the wolf would be devastating. However, I would also add a twist. Ooh. And the twist would be that not only is Kate Blanchett the wolf, Aquafina is the wolf too. Oh, that's shit. Good. Maybe they've oh, all I didn't been see infected. That coming. Yeah. Wow. That's good. Infected them both. And so now it's just Zoe Kravitz against Kate Blanchett and Aquafina. And that seems like a. And she can't let them off the station. She has to do whatever it takes. Yeah, because if they get back to Earth, they're just going to like go around Infect and like, co create and eat everybody. Okay. <laughs> so going into Act Three, Zoe has to figure out how to not let them off the station, how to not let them eat her. And maybe, maybe save them somehow from the alien that's taken over them. Is it possible? That's good. Yeah. Maybe the the third act is they realize, wait, it's not about which one of us is the wolf. We're all the wolf and we can't go back, but we want to live. And we're, we, the audience are rooting for everyone. So what they need to do is figure out how to rid their bodies of this toxic infectious uh, spore that has taken over them. And whatever this MacGuffin thing is, this thing that will cure them, is something that I will have established in Act 1. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Like, and it ties into the theme. And it ties into the theme of resilience. So right. maybe we'll say Zoe Kravitz is the botanist on, on the station or something. Mm-hmm. And she's been figuring out how to make super space plants. And one nice. of her super space plants has a certain chemical property that when ingested does exact, it's, it's totally exactly what the alien spores hate. Mm -hmm. but it takes time to plant it takes time to germinate or something so that ties into the model of resilience she goes to get it and someone destroyed the plant in the lab but what they don't know and what we might remember as audience members is at the very beginning of the movie she was like cataloging them and she like pressed it into like a photo album or whatever and she knows there is like one sprig left yeah you're right one less spray (laughs) exactly Wait, okay, so what if at the beginning, right, if this is a movie about resilience, at the beginning she was like, my space plant that I discovered can, you know, be medicinal, it can help people, it can cure cancer, whatever it is, and Kate Blanchett and or Chris Evans, whoever is her, her boss character, just dismissed her and was like, no, you've always been on it about these space plants, when are you going to give it up? And she's like, I'm resilient, I'm not going to give it up, right? That's her, that's her thing. She's stubborn, but she does give up. She, she doesn't believe in her ideas. She doesn't believe in her space plant. And so in Act 3, when all is lost, she's going to have a moment of enlightenment where she realizes that, you know, she's going to have a dark night of the soul and it's going to be literally very dark because there's no light in space other than the stars. And she's going to realize that she can't give up. She has to be resilient against all odds, even though, you know, she basically threw away all of her samples in Act 1. She kept one. She kept one little shred of hope. She goes back, she finds her little space plant and uses it to save the day. So really, it's a story about why you should just never give up, no matter how many people tell you that you suck and that you should never write movies ever again. That got strangely personal at the end. What? No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I will say, though, if Chris Evans is her boss and telling her that her space plants suck, I don't want her to be sleeping with him. 
Yeah, um, correct. So there, there is that. But so maybe, <laughs> maybe Chris believes in her, and like Aquafina doesn't. You know, well, mm-hmm. maybe, or Kate Blanchett yeah. doesn't. And well, so whoever when, dies when first. we lose Chris <laughs> Evans halfway through, she lost her biggest ally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Now she really does have to be resilient. She really is on her own. Right. And then act three is she manages to expel the alien spores out of Cape Blanchett and Aquafina into space. And the alien spores die a horrible screaming death in the vacuum. Except for one. Because we need, <laughs> we need a cliffhanger. You're right. This is a franchise. Right. What was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Or even just like she expels them, but they go, they like, they return to Earth, and we realize in the last like five seconds of the movie that Zoe Kravitz was also infected. Ooh, Ooh, that's that's good. good. Okay. Like she never actually expelled it from her body. She she kept some. Mm -hmm. Okay, so pitching on that, you think they've expelled all the spores. They're so happy. And we cut to like 10 months later or something, and we find Kate Blanchett, Aquafina, and Zoe Kravitz happily living as a thruple. Yeah, as they should. As I should. And Zoe Kravitz is pregnant. They decided they're all going to have a baby. And it turns out the alien supports in the baby. Oh, oh that's God. good. Dun, Wait, dun, is dun. Chris Evans the dad? I know that doesn't work out time-wise, but. No, he could have frozen his sperm. Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> they're all <laughs> pregnant with dead Chris Evans' baby. <laughs> <laughs> this is certainly gone in some unexpected directions. All right. I'm putting my exec hat back on. Hannah. Thank you so much. That was so well told. Oh, <laughs> thank you. This is me crying. I my actually, I don't have any questions, and you'll you'll hear from us. Mm-hmm. Okay, right? great. So the way Hannah's story goes is that she'll get a call from her her reps a few days later, and they'll say like, "Hey, you know, great job. They thought you were so great, uh, but it wasn't quite what they were looking for, right?" And that dies. It's sad death. Jess. Wow, I have so many questions, and I will proceed to ask you five to ten, like, smart questions and be engaged. And then we'll be like, oh, my God, super excited. You will hear from us, right? And then a week will go by. Two weeks will go by. (laughs) (laughs) And then you'll finally hear from your reps that that we – absolutely loved your take but it was very similar to another take that came in from like a really big screenwriter and so yeah no that's fine aaron sorkin also did something very very similar right yeah this is one we find out that aaron sorkin was also up for this job and neither of us should have wasted our time i ruined it i was gonna do colin trevorrow in six months you'll read in the trades that colin trevorrow Uh, is writing and directing three little pigs in space right and that's when you you think about calling your agent and saying why didn't you tell me when i asked mm-hmm. you who else was pitching that was colin Toronto. yeah and then they're going to be like oh uh sorry i just you know i didn't know uh whatever i don't know what they'll say but you probably won't make that call anyway because no, you're you a probably. writer you'll and you're a you'll think about you'll it though it. You'll, you'll play out the whole conversation in your head you'll mm-hmm. have a tall glass of grand marnier with ice in it and think <laughs> man that was a waste of time yes That's but exactly true you'll be a better pitcher that's helpful. And you will know probably not to waste your time with this exec ever again. Yes. Yeah. So, so all in all, it's a win. I will proceed with renovating my house. <laughs> <laughs> I will keep drinking my kombucha, my hard kombucha yes. and most fleas. And I will keep downing my mango carts. I thought that was a really fun exercise. Obviously, we did a pretty absurd version of it. But I, I think that there's helpful stuff in there about like what it, what, what it is like to participate in a bake-off. Which is always your choice to do. By the way, like, you know, you always have a right to know how many people are pitching on a project. If that is information that the producers won't share, that means it's a waste of your time. Can you ask who, though? Like, are you, 
are you able to find out? I was joking earlier, but I'm realizing I don't actually know. Like, how would you know if Colin Trevorrow is also pitching on this? Your reps should be able to have that conversation with the the exec of like, who else is pitching? Are they, you know, like what level are they? They're not going to be like, it's Colin Trevorrow. But like if they say like, oh, you know, we have some really high level people pitching on this, then that also might indicate it's a waste of your time. Yeah, which could go either way. You could be like, you know what? I'm up for the challenge and you should still go for it if you're really yeah, passionate about it. I want the experience. I want the shot. If you, yeah, if you're super, super excited uh, about the material, like, sure, it's up to you how you want to spend your time. Um, so, but it is, it is, in for, you know, like your reps, or you, if you don't have reps, hopefully you can have this conversation with the exec to a certain degree yourself. Like, again, don't ask for specific names, but you can ask, like, hey, how many, how many pitches are you hearing? When are you aiming to make a decision? You know, and while the outcome of this particular pitch was that Colin Trevorrow is doing it, a lot of times the result is no one is doing it. It's going to end up back on the shelf. Yeah. How long have you had this IP? You know, do you actually have the rights to it if it is IP? Whose idea was this? Because like if it's just, you know, if I'm a a very junior exec and I'm just having writers parade their takes in front of me and my boss doesn't even know this project exists, that is also probably a waste of your time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this was super fun and I hope everyone enjoyed hearing us riff on... (laughs) what turned out to be like an amalgam of like eight different versions of two different versions of Three Little Pigs in Space. If you have any questions, please email us uh, at podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Tell us what you'd like to hear us talk about. Um, or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Untitled Female. Bye. Right, bye. Bye. bye.